0: The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Welcome to Vicious Whispers with Mark
1: Tullius, your source for horror, sci-fi, suspense, and all things violent. Hey, what's up guys? Thank you so much for joining me today on Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius. Today we have episode 78. At the end of today's episode, we will share Taking Out the Trash. That is on Untold Mayhem. So that will be Taking Out the Trash, a short story at the end of this. Uh, I enjoyed writing that short story. It was one of the last ones written for Untold Mayhem. Uh, Some of those stories were older. Um, In fact, some of them were my first published stories. And I rewrote them. Uh, But then I also added some new ones this is one of the new ones hopefully you guys will enjoy it that will be at the end of the episode Um, so I wasn't even uh, it's already Thursday I was supposed to put this out two days ago I was also supposed to also supposed to have a special guest on Um, I interviewed my friend Alicia Roberts Um, we don't know each other but through Twitter uh, and she had reviewed Ain't No Messiah so I thought it would be cool to do a little Zoom meeting with her. Unfortunately, I ran into some technical issues and totally screwed up that footage. Um, so, do me a favor. Check out her book reviews. Uh, she It's Elisha's book reviews. That's E-L-I-S-H-A-S bookreview.com And uh, she reviewed Ain't No Messiah. One thing... Um, that's pretty cool about her is she only reviews books that aren't popular. That's how she found Ain't No Messiah. She, uh, she might review some popular books, but she says she tends to stay from away from it. Uh, she just looks likes looking for things that uh, are interesting to her. So she was interested in uh, Messiah because of the cult-like uh, factor and wrote a really cool review. So if you want to check out some stuff that you may not have heard of before, uh, you can check out her little uh, blog there um what else it's been fucking crazy over here i'm not going to complain because everything's all right uh but it was a little inconvenient i think it was you i might have been friday night i forget what night was, or, or saturday night one of those nights our complete our power went out at 11:30 at night um And then we were told it wouldn't come back on till Wednesday. And so we lost a lot of food. Uh, Fortunately, my sister-in-law lives three doors down. We were able to take all of our stuff over there or lots of it. Um, Same with all the freezer food. My kids and wife slept over at my sister-in-law's, which was awesome. Uh, Got a lot of shit done. Uh, It was a nice, quiet house. A little bit creepy. Um, I can freak myself out a little bit. But I got out my acoustic guitar and some candles and actually enjoyed it after getting a bunch of work done. So that wasn't bad. It's hot as fuck though trying to sleep. So that sucked. Um, other than that, we're just breathing in all the smoke from the fucking fires. Um, we were thinking about trying to get out of town, but decided, you know what, well, we'll just stick with it. Stay inside. We have a good filtration system in here, I think. So I think we will be fine. So I let the first reader check out uh, Beyond Brightside. I sent it to my cousin, Rob Leveque. He is reading it first, um, making him feel a little bit special. Uh, he's always been super supportive. Their entire family has. In fact, I'm dedicating the whole book to the Levesques. Um, and uh, yeah, so I just finished that yesterday. I'm giving him a day or two. And then tomorrow I will be sending all the anyone that wants to read Beyond Brightside before anyone else except Rob, uh, before the release I should say uh, can hit me up, send me a message if you want to be an advanced reader I will shoot you the ebook. I also hired the narrator for that I just sent it over to him so he's starting recording it which is awesome now over the next couple days I just need to get the print version ready and I will have the paperbacks made I don't believe on this book I'm going to be sending out advanced paperback copies to anyone. Um, I'm just going to print the full deal and send that out. Um, So yeah, I I found that the paperback copies just aren't worth the expense of uh, sending it. Everyone wants a free book. Not everyone wants to write a review after they receive that book. Which is cool. I get it. I'm fucking terrible at writing reviews but it doesn't make sense for me to purchase these just so other people can get something for free. All right. Um, what else? What else? What else? Oh, the pandemic. Um, that is set. I believe we're going with October 7th for the contest. It'll be about $1,000 worth of prizes. Um, I think about $400 of those, maybe even more. will be going towards uh, gift cards for dark delicacies. If Have you haven't checked it out before, it's an awesome store. They got tons of horror collectibles, books, all that kind of stuff. So we thought that would be a pretty cool prize for people to win. Then there will be a chance to win all kinds of different uh, book. We'll have book bundles from different horror writers, some of my books, some of John Palisano's books, and then other uh, horror authors uh, that we're friends with. So we should have some really cool prizes in that. Again, we're going to probably limit that to a thousand people. Um, so the contest should be pretty cool. Should We're even going to have a prize for the person with the shittiest score. So whoever dies the most, uh, you have to have at least like 15 attempts. But if you die the most, you could win a prize. So that way, we're not losing all the people that just have terrible, terrible luck and choose the wrong thing. Um, What's pretty cool about uh, the whole try not to die thing is... I put it up on NetGalley. I put "Try Not to Die" and "Brightside" up on NetGalley. Um, I got a ton of reviews from uh, NetGalley for "Untold Mayhem," and now the same thing is happening with "Try Not to Die" and "Brightside." And what I'm finding is that most of the reviewers are adults who really enjoy um, being reminded of the old Choose Your Own Adventure books. Those are the books that I grew up on as a kid. That's what caused me to write this series. So it's pretty cool that it's working with those people. Uh, I believe young adults are enjoying it as well, but it's uh, kind of cool to be able to market to both categories. Um, anything else? I haven't put out that, probably in a week or two, because I still don't have the complete manuscript for Trying to Die in the Pandemic. That is being edited. Um, right now, it's it's a really, really strong copy. It just needs the final edit. Uh, but as soon as that's done, I'm going to hire the narrator. I'll be putting that up on ACX shortly. And I uh, already have a couple narrators in mind that I've asked to audition for it. So I'm sure we'll get someone cool there. Uh, so yeah, a lot of exciting stuff going on. Um, and on top of everything else, I just finished a new short story. I think I talked about it on here. Maybe I didn't. Uh, it's, but it's called 31 Others. It'll be the 31st story in the 25 Perfect Days world. Uh, this is going to be the first one that's written in first person. And it comes into play right after the short story 15. So it's a little bit, it's towards the start of 25 Perfect Days. Uh, It's not a continuation or anything like that, just a short story. I wanted to write a little commentary on what's going on in today's world. So I hired a narrator for that one as well. And uh, yeah, so that one should be cool. I'll be putting that one out as a little single. Uh, last thing that happened is I just started another Try Not To Die with a friend of mine, a Jiu Jitsu Black Belt. Once we get a little bit deeper, I'll talk more about that. Maybe I'll have him on. Um, but I met Phil uh, maybe last year and we started talking. He read my stuff. He enjoyed it. He mentioned that he had always wanted to write. I just never thought that he could, so I've been really pushing him. Um, He was even watching some of the classes that I was doing with my daughter on how to write stories and all that. And so he came over the other day and I was talking to him not only about developing a story, but then we got into it, Try Not to Die. I was telling him, I would really like to do one with a heavy kid uh, who's been bullied for his weight and how awful that would be. And that's something that Phil dealt with growing up and it was pretty severe. And so I think that's going to be a pretty awesome book, no matter what the plot is. It's like we have that character that's the thing, I was like, I know once I have a character, it doesn't matter what the story is, we should be able to make it a good story. We'll make it interesting. Um, all I really care about is this character, and then how they react to whatever I put in their way. Uh, so yeah, that's it guys. I'm going to r- get off of here, I'm going to help my son with some of his schoolwork. He's doing the distance learning right now, so I can't be on here too long. But just want to check in, get this out again. Sorry to Alicia for ruining our footage, our interview. Uh, But again, if you want to check out her book review, that's alishasbookreview.com. E-L-I-S-H-A-S, bookreview.com. right, guys, hope you enjoyed the episode In this next short story. It is taking out the trash and again, I fucked up on the narrator, but I will include his name in or her name. No, it's a him. Uh, in the credits down below. All right, guys, thanks for listening. I will talk to you next week. Peace.
0: Taking out the trash. The bus pulls up to the curb. The door opens, and a fiery blast of late afternoon August air swooshes in. I hold the rail going down the stairs. Larry waits until I'm on the sidewalk before he says, Tell you, dad I said I." It's the same thing he says every time I get off at my stop. I reply same as I always do. You got it. I don't feel bad about lying because dad would just make fun of Larry, call him a fucking loser, a lousy bus driver, a joke. And then he'd look right at me and shake his head. Larry could tell Dad himself. I'm not saying a word to Dad, at least not before I take out the trash. That's been my job since I was seven. It's pretty much the only thing I'm good at. There are 59 steps from the bus stop to the corner, 32 steps across the street, 244 steps to the high school I couldn't finish. So close it is Dad's favorite reminder I'm a failure. It takes 32 more steps to cross again, the sweat soaking the back of my coveralls and running down my crack. 142 to the house I grew up in. It's a quiet street, most everyone in their 60s and 70s. The house is just as old and run down. Dad's is the worst, the same faded yellow peeling paint we'd had back before Mom left us 40 years ago. Dad's rusty red pickup is parked in front of the house, the blue recycling can next to the driveway. No one else has cans out yet, and the rule is not to leave them sitting twenty four hours, but I put it there last night after I said goodbye to my old man. As usual, the can is nearly empty. Dad's not about to give away his Budweiser cans. It only contains pink, and blue notification letters and white envelopes, nearly every one of them torn in half. Dad said all those citations and notices were bullshit. He owned the land, and he would do whatever the hell he felt fit. The city managers could go fuck themselves because they'd never see a penny. The baggie I pull from my pocket is only half full, and there is a wet stain down the side of my pants. I almost scream at myself. But I don't need that kind of attention. Plus, it's not a big deal. Nothing matters but the present. Take a breath and do your job, you big dummy. I squeeze the pink cherry scented soap from the baggie and shake it onto the papers lining the bottom. A big splooge vest, as Mikey would have called it. I toss the baggie in and close the lid. The driveway is gravel. Eight steps across and 28 more steps to the chest-high gate that's always unlocked. It's another 54 steps to the tarnished metal trash can that sits five steps from the neighbor's wall on its little pad of concrete. The 32-gallon trash can is a heavy-duty monster that's been banged to hell. The first time I took out the trash, I wasn't supposed to. It was Mikey's job, but he'd just run away. Everyone said I was too little. But I knew I could do it. Back then the trash can was taller than me. Now I can rest my belly on it. But not today, with maggots crawling everywhere. In the summer months, maggots are always a problem. Especially with the mangled lid that doesn't close right and the holes in the bottom. I fumble for the matchbook I got from Joe in a trade for one ding-dong. The logo for 99 bottles is on the cover his father's liquor store. One of the other fifth graders felt bad for me. Said I could just walk in there myself and take the matches for free. I told him I don't like going in stores, especially nice ones. Plus, like Dad says, nothing ever comes free. Everything has a price. There are twenty matches. Each burns about six seconds. Judging by the huge swarm of maggots at the bottom of the can, today could be a record-breaker. I never told anyone what I used to do, but Dad told everyone. Said I was a sick fuck for sucking the squished maggots off my thumb. No wonder Mom killed herself, he said. The thumb-sucking isn't why I swish them. I do it for the pop to see how far the guts will go. The sucking was just me cleaning up. I'm a pro with matches, and spark one on with my thumbnail. Seven maggots shrivel in a row, five more scorched. Next match is lit, and the maggots are fleeing. Nine more melt on the lid, two burned off the handle. After two more matches, my score is 23, and I've cleared the whole area. Down below is where the numbers really add up. Nowhere for the maggots to run with my big boots blocking them. Twelve, ten, twelve, fifteen, eleven. The number keeps stacking, flecks of black dotting the ground. Thirteen, twelve, nine, two because of the wind. Zero on a dud match. Hmm. I feel like a dragon scorching the land with my final five matches the number of casualties rising past my previous record. I take a burnt tip and write 203 inside the cover, then slip it into my pocket. Good luck to anyone trying to figure out if it's a clue. Most people are surprised I can do numbers so good. I like numbers. I understand them way better than I understand people. I was ten when I started thinking of trash days as numbers. I realized there were only going to be a certain number. Trash days only came once a week, 52 times a year. Of course, there's no knowing how short that number will be. My only friend, Jeffrey Steinbach, probably thought he'd have at least 3,000 trash days. But he got cut down crossing the street when I reached number 37. Mom's number stopped before mine began. And Mikey's ended when I was 13, thanks to a bad batch of dope. I used to think I wanted my number to go on forever, but 25 years as a custodian has given me my fill. This is it. I assume the position, feet facing the can because I've bitten and bloodied the back of my ankles too many times, both hands on the only remaining handle. I lift. Pull, the back end scraping across the concrete, digging deep into the gravel. If Dad were watching, he'd yell for me to, Use the dolly! Don't ruin his goddamn driveway! I glance up at the house. Every curtain is closed. Dad's not seeing shit. So I pick up, pull, set down. Pick up, pull, set down. I get a couple of feet with each heave. I take a break. Much as I hate to admit it, the chemo is kicking my butt. I never told Dad. Didn't want to see his smile or hear his, Told you so! Four heaves, and I need another rest. The metal digging into my calluses, my palms purple. The one time I asked about using gloves... Dad said if I was going to be such a girl about it, I could dig some of Alice's tampons out of the trash and reuse them. But he was right. It made me tougher. I can handle a little pain. I can handle the weight. This day, I'll show him I'm every bit the man he claims I'm not. I make it five more heaves before I cough up a huge glob of nastiness, and hawk it into the bushes. Seven more eaves, and I'm past the gate. I go to close it, and see Fiddles lying on his side underneath the barbed bush. I say, Fiddles! But he's stiff as a board. He must have got into the poison. But that's okay. There's room. I raise the lid, and it smells like holy hell. I apologize to Fiddles and drop him in, get the lid on tight as I can. The gate latches, and I go back to the can. Heave-ho, heave-ho, off to the curb we go. Well, really only six or seven feet. A few more tugs, and we'll be there. Every one of the 1,611 times I've taken out the trash... I've done it the same way, both cans nice and neat against the curb, but not today. This one can stay right here in the middle of the driveway. It's too heavy to be tipped over, and I'm the only person who ever visits Dad anyway. My hands ache, and my breathing's strained, but I'm happy. I'm finished. I did a good job and I did it all by myself. Unable to resist, I raise the lid, move fiddles to the side, oh, gag at the mess of maggots pouring in and out of Dad's mouth. I search my brain for something smart to say. I hawk up another loogie and spit on his face. You're right, I tell him. We all pay a price. The lid drops, and I go over and open the recycling bin. Breathe in the cherry soap. Of the eight other houses on the block, only three driveways have cars in them. No one cares about the retard taking out the trash. Before I chicken out, I pull the slimy razor blade from my pocket. Realize I should have put it in the pocket without soap. Last night, I cut a slit in my pants over the vein they say is the best to hit. I slip the razor in place and drag it up the inside of my thigh, ignore the burn, and then etch a smile across my wrist. I lean as far as possible into the trash can, then drop inside, my face pressed into the gooey papers. It doesn't hurt much getting lightheaded as my blood oozes all around me. 1,612 is in the books, but we all end up at zero.